Blog Talk Radio. here uh we have uh, also uh our uh, buddy ace from puffamania we're going to talk to them here in a little bit uh once we find out where granny is and big swing is missing in action again so i know that uh he is uh off doing his own thing so uh so uh shad how are you i'm doing pretty good icon how you doing oh not too bad I'm still wondering. I'm pretty sure Granny Hulk is there. I heard her. Granny, you there? I'm here. Ah, see, she's there. Why can't I hear her? Quiet. Where are you plugged in? Well, I hear you, Granny. Loud and clear. Oh, I heard thank her earlier. You. <laughs> so you can hear her. Oh yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, well, we'll we'll just uh, we'll just uh, we'll just uh, try and figure out the technical issues. As we go Maybe along I here, but anyway, this in. is uh, Monday night, and you're listening to Ken's FM 89.1 FM <clears throat> on your dial, and we are now recording. So, let us talk about real quick uh, what uh, we got a bit. Uh, we got a busy show here tonight. Uh, we got three guests with us, and uh, our guests are as follows. 
We have uh, Ben Stauber. Uh, he's an independent film director. He's going to talk to us. We have David Sterling, who's another independent uh, film director. And uh, we have a guest here, Melanie Lentz. Uh, she's a former, get this, she's a former Secret Service agent. And uh, she, uh, she used to be in charge of protecting the president. So we're going to talk to her about that. She wrote a book about it, and I cannot wait to uh, talk to her about that. So, I guess I can't. I, I I can't even hear him talking through my headset. So because uh, I wasn't talking, I was letting you talk. Oh, okay. Can you hear me talking? I can't. No, what? I can't hear anything in my headset. Keep speaking, there, guy. All right. Well, Granny Hulkster's on the other line. I know Granny Hulkster's on there. Granny Hulkster, did you watch any uh, wrestling this past weekend? Um, no, I was actually at a state convention, so, but I did go to a wrestling, independent wrestling show in Sherwood, Arkansas, Saturday night, so, uh, for Chaotic Kingdom Wrestling, it was a lot of fun, it was a lot of fun, of course, because I was at my convention, I didn't know if I was going to even get to make it to the show, so, I didn't have my granny shirt with me, that kind of threw the bad guys off a little bit, but uh, Granny still came through with flying colors as always, so. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of bad guys, uh, Shad is the, uh, I'm sorry, Ace is the uh, in charge of Pulpomania. Now, one thing that we are working on, and it's in the developmental stages, uh, we want to do a, uh, what we call the icon happening uh, starting uh, in next August, in the middle of August. And we want to get Granny down here for that, along with uh, hopefully we can get Big Swing down there. The reason why we like to have Granny here, you know, Granny has issues, Ace, with uh, one of your head guys there, and his name is Sylvester J. Fox. And uh, <laughs> what I would love to see, and I, I guarantee this will be the thing to sell tickets, not only to uh, help you guys out and uh, help our radio station here, is Granny Hulkster in the audience when Sylvester J. Fox comes out of the locker room. Now, Granny, tell us, if you did see said Sylvester J. Fox, Mr. Sly himself, and he came over to you and decided to have a conversation Tell us what would happen, or do you want to wait and just let it happen? Or give us a little preview of what would happen. Well, you know, a lot of it depends on how this conversation would start off, first of all, Icon. I always, the thing about me is I never know what these bad guys are going to say to me or do to me, so I kind of always got to be one step ahead. I always got to be thinking ahead. So depending on how this conversation started off, for example, a lot of wrestlers will come up and tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip. Or don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? So if Mr. Sylvester J. Fox decided to come over and inform me to sit down and keep my mouth shut and not say a word, I'd probably have to say to Mr. Sylvester J. Fox, say, well, Sly, you can't make me sit down and shut up because I'm granny, and if you think you're truly man enough to do that, why don't you show me what you got? 
And if he proceeds well, to go on and on and keeps running his mouth, then I can say to Sly plainly, and I can move my hands and say, this is what you're doing, and this is what you need to do. In other words, you need to keep his mouth shut and go from there. Well, there is one thing that uh, where you kind of have an ace in the hole, you know, um, and uh, Ace can tell us a little bit about this. Um, during your last event, was there was there not a confrontation between you and Sylvester Fox, or was that between him and Puppy? What happened? Uh, honestly, there was just so much chaos going on. Fly had he was through the roof with everything. He just grabbed me and threw me. That's all I knew. And then I ended up backstage. You know, there's, some, there's gonna be some type of repercussion for Sly, obviously, but. Uh, We'll find that out here at our upcoming show here Saturday, September 25th at the Zone Yard at the Zone Bar in Main Avenue in West Fargo. Now, Grady, you are, uh, you know, it sounds like there might be some penalties for Mr. Sylvester J. Fox, but one thing that you are begging them not to do, you're, you're begging them not to fire Mr. Fox because you want to have a chance to have a little uh, conversation with him before that. Then they can fire him after that, right? Well, I mean, if they choose to fire him, that's up, that's totally up to them. You know, I, I have went round and round with Mr. Sylvester J. Fox on this show many a times. And I have even challenged him. If he thinks he's got something to say to me, he needs to call in and talk to us. You know, and if, then and if, if I don't get the opportunity to see him in person, you know, oh, well, you know, that's just his loss if he doesn't get to meet me. So, you know, but, you know, they got to do what they got to do. If they have to fire him, then we all can sit there and say, na, 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 hey, hey, goodbye. Well, I'll tell you right now, Granny Hogster, there is. We're not even planning on firing Fly Vester J. Fox. That's not even in the near future, so get that out of your head. Fly Vester's here, and he's here to make a statement to help Puffamania run wild. But I'll tell you what, though, if he is, you know, if he is listening and he does want to uh, chime in, uh, we do have a uh, we do have a full slate this week. But I'll, I'll I'll put this challenge out to him. If he is listening, which I'm sure he might be, because you know. What else are you going to do on a Monday night than listen to the Attitude Air Live, live on Kansas FM, 89.1 FM, live in Fargo, North Dakota? That's the only thing you should be doing on a Monday night because um, that's really the only thing going on. But what I would say is if he wants to call in, uh, I'll, I'll give him an open forum next week. Um, he can call in, and then we can have a little conversation, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have some fun <coughs> with that. And uh also, we want to let fans know that uh, if you go to our Facebook page, Off the Ropes, or if you go to Ken's FM and we give us a like, uh, we are going to enter you uh, to uh, for our giveaway show in December where you can have the opportunity to win an autograph from a past guest, a future guest, or a current guest, whatever who's ever on in December there. So if you go to Ken's FM on Facebook, give it a like. Go to Off the Ropes on Facebook. Give it a like. Uh, and if you say something nice about the icon, I might even let you choose who you get an autograph from. But 
Uh, that's uh, that's where we're at right now. So we're just waiting for our first guest to come in, uh, call in, and uh, we're going to have some fun with uh, Mr. Stauber, and um, we will uh, get that under Ray as soon as he calls in. So anyway, Puffamania, you guys got a big show, and we'll talk about that throughout the night. Uh, you guys got a big show coming up on September 25th. Uh, in between our first and second guests, we'll kind of talk about that, and we'll also give you guys the last 15 minutes of the show after the Secret Service agent uh, is done uh, talking to us. That that's really the uh, that is really the uh, interview I've been looking forward to to uh, to ask her what it's like to be in the Secret Service and what it's like to uh, you know get to follow the president every day of your life. And uh, protect the president, you know, ask if she's flown on Air Force One, which I'm sure she's had, uh, if she's had to deal with any uh, unruly people in an audience. So that'll be interesting, and we'll talk to her about her book. And I booked her uh, seven months ago. So we have, we have guest booked from now until the end of 2022. That's how, uh, that's how dedicated I am to the program. So we're just waiting for our first guest to call in, and as soon as he does, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. So, uh, could you tell us again while we're waiting where your venue is for the show on September 25th? Uh, it is at the Zone Bar uh, in Main Avenue in West Fargo. Um, it's outside at the Zone Yard. That's what we're calling it now. Uh, Saturday, September 25th, uh, we actually are hosting our first ever seminar. Uh, that's going to be from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., solid two hours. You're going to be there. Uh, that's 18-plus. There's going to be a sign-up sheet at the Zone Yard, at the Zone Bar. Uh, go ahead and sign that up there. That's for serious applicants only and a great opportunity for local and nearby talent. Awesome. And uh, that should be a big show, and uh, we'll talk about tickets as we go on here. Uh, still waiting for our guest. Uh, hopefully they'll call in. Uh, everything else, everything seems to be working here. Uh, we haven't had any issues yet, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll get that going. So, anywho, uh, so <coughs> Granny, you um, you had your big convention this weekend, and uh, you uh, you're obviously were the star of that convention, but um, well, I'm not a star. I'm not a star. I'm just one of the state committee chairmen, you know, for. My my committee that I uh, am the chair have the chairman for is called Heart of the Community. So we pick organizations, or I pick an organization out who we're going to help, and I collect donations, monetary donations, or whatever they request um, during the whole entire weekend, and then I will uh, present that to the organization. Either sometime this week or possibly next week, I have to get with um, the person in charge of activities and everything and see when they want to meet up or how they want me to get their donations to them. So, Well, our first guest has joined us, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce him, and then we're going to have some fun. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, the man behind the camera the man that will tell us lights, camera, action. Ladies and gentlemen, the coolest independent director in the world today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ben Stauber. 
Hey there, hey there, everybody. Uh, my name is Ben Sober. You are listening to the Attitude Era Live on 89.1 Ken's FM with your hosts, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hoaxer. Whoa, damn, Rebecca's fans. Whoa. Hey, Ben, wow. how are you today, buddy? <laughs> oh, doing fantastic, guys. Thank you so much again for the opportunity and, and being able to talk on the show. Just really excited to, to just share some fun stories and just some great times living as a filmmaker in Las Vegas and Los Angeles. All right. Uh, ben Stober is our guest here. We have 29 minutes. Here's what we're going to do here, Ben. We're going to be give us a little background about yourself, and then uh, I'll ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll do a – We'll do a roundtable, and then we'll have some fun. So go ahead. Give us a little background about uh, yourself. You got it. So um, I was born and raised in Hudson, Wisconsin, grew up in Colorado, uh, how I became addicted to cheese from Wisconsin and being a mountain goat in Colorado, and uh, always wanted to be an actor ever since I was three, four years old, and so did a lot of the school plays, theater, um, Shakespeare, community theater, and working at a movie theater and a video store, and uh, I ended up moving to Las Vegas, in large thanks to my sister, who gave me the opportunity to, to move out to Vegas to be an actor. And one of my first jobs was at Star Trek The Experience, uh, one of the coolest jobs ever, uh, and uh, worked for Cirque du Soleil, for the Beatles Love Show, Blue Man Group, and um, did a community theater production of Evil Dead the Musical that um, was off strip and sold out for two months of performances, and I knew that there was some longevity with this production and that it could find a place on the strip. And so I worked with the director and the producers and with the help of an incredible investor was also able to bring it to the Las Vegas Strip, one of the first local community theater productions to actually have longevity and to last on the Las Vegas Strip. And I played Ash, uh, the Bruce Campbell character from Evil Dead Musical. And it was at that point that I really wanted to start working and transitioning in film. And uh, for the past six years, I've been working uh, as an actor on um, student short films um, and in um, feature films. And um, also, um, I think the big thing that I felt that extended my career as an actor was being able to to be uh, to be able to kind of help the filmmakers tell their stories, whether it's like as a PA or as um, well, just kind of finding a need to be able to kind of help out on the script, um, on their projects. So if they needed assistance or help with, you know, getting water or drinks, snacks or script supervising or, oh gosh, you know, anything you can think of that I would end up working on these productions um, that ultimately ended up leading me out to Los Angeles. And I had been out there for about a year until the pandemic happened. So I ended up moving some things back home to Vegas in the meantime and ended up helping create the Lucky Sevens Film Challenge uh, with Got Films creator Jeremy Settles. What we've done, we've taken the 48-hour film project ideas, and we we gave seven filmmakers a shot at shooting a feature film in seven days for $7,000. And um, so this is actually, we're almost all the way through with about four movies so far, nearing completion with three more to go. And... um, (laughs) And again, just really the biggest thing that's helping, too, is just having best friends and family and just the support of them has really given me um, the ability to, to continue living my dreams and just, um, just my faith as a Christian and, and just staying positive and encouraging, uplifting, motivating others and helping others 
while also at the same time not not giving away the bricks of the foundation that I've been working on as a filmmaker, as an artist as well. But it all started at being an actor and then has grown since. But yeah, I'm not quite a director just yet. <laughs> I'm working on that. That'll be another next big step. But during the pandemic, I was able to write my first feature film script, which was really exciting. But biggest thing of all, again, is just never stop doing what you love, live what you love, and just, um, yeah, you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, ben Stavers, our guest here. We've got about 25 minutes here on Ken's FM 89.1 in Fargo, North Dakota. So now, Ben, uh, I'm kind of curious about this um, this film festival that you're doing. Uh, I'll ask you a couple questions, and we'll do a roundtable. Now, uh, I happen to have, be friends with one of the uh, directors that uh, that you uh, had a part of this project, and that's uh, – uh, Miss Richards, uh, Debbie Richards, as a matter of fact, yeah. and uh, she's going to be on our show uh, in a couple weeks. But uh, so now, so basically, what they what they did was you gave them seven thousand dollars to make the film, or they had to put up seven thousand dollars. Kind of tell us how that worked. Oh, of course. So this was just all an answer to prayer, and with Jeremy of just coming up with a way of being able to finance seven feature films at seven thousand dollars shooting budget. And then 3000 post, that's $70,000. Uh, so I ended up launching my first Indiegogo campaign and just really reached out to get as much community support and support across the country. We even ended up getting um, support from across the world. Uh, one gentleman, Andreas Schoenhofen, and I believe his wife or his girlfriend from Germany, and also got wind of the campaign and ended up supporting it too. So it really spread out there, and we, we didn't necessarily hit our you know larger target goal but we did um get very close to it and um deborah richards actually was one such filmmaker who ended up kind of going beyond the i guess the foundation of what um the lucky seven film challenge was about was to really see what the filmmakers could do with a limited budget and time and she is going in a different direction. Her film will still be screened for Lucky Seven Film Challenge. Uh, she has a, a larger budget that she's working with, going in a more ambitious direction, as it's her first feature film. But uh, um, having seen her previous short films, um, were just astounding artistically and creatively. Um, a number of these filmmakers, uh, again, that just had some really creative, unique, incredible vision and what they've been able to do with limited budgets and in the community. Some of them, it's their first feature film that they're directing, having only done shorts and um, um, series, web series. But um, we actually, this week, are wrapping up two of them. Uh, Dale Nevin's time travel fantasy, House in Time, um, that is wrapping up today, in fact. And um, the other one, Drone Down, from Mike Conway, that's a Bigfoot film that's been shooting up in Mount Charleston. has been just really fun different productions as well very contrasting those two and um and we are looking at as long as the um, the pandemic and the numbers continue to subside hopefully uh to screen these films in january late january at the galaxy theaters boulevard mall which has been galaxy theaters has been an incredible support to the las vegas community um i had actually reached out to their management team to katie katie jocelyn here in las vegas they have about 16 locations across the country and was screening an independent film that I um, starred in, produced, and was looking for a theater to screen it and found this Galaxy Theaters that wasn't getting a lot of business at their location, reached out, and I wanted to pay out of my pocket to, to, to treat the, the cast and crew for all their hard work, and I got an incredible deal. And it just 
continued from there, and I spread the word across the, the independent film community, and everyone started screening uh, and premiering their movies there. They got uh, an incredible amount of business. And as a result, when I reached out to Katie regarding this Lucky Sevens and wanting to screen all seven films over a two-day weekend, she reached out to management corporate and became one of our official sponsors for Lucky Sevens Film Challenge. So all of the ticket sales raised from all seven films are going to be benefiting seven different charitable organizations in Las Vegas, Nevada. So really it's uh, just been about Stoppers giving back to the community here. than just um, making moves. Uh, ben Stauber is our guest here. We've got about uh, 20 minutes here with Ben. Uh, we're going to kind of go around the room here, and I'm, uh, we're going to come back to me. I'm going to ask you more, the more difficult questions. But, uh, Grant, we get it for our guest here. Go ahead with, uh, with our guest, Ben. Go ahead. Granny there? Granny. Yep. <laughs> hey, there, right, Granny. Granny. You... Yeah, what do you got for a guest? Go ahead, Ben. For Ben. Well, um, what was your one of your favorite movies that you've directed? Ooh, well, um, unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't necessarily directed. I've co-directed one film, a uh, short film for 48-hour film project, and I got a chance to, to write a couple of them as well. So if I were to maybe then um, pose the question a little bit more of favorite movie that I've acted in, as I've probably okay. acted in about 80 movies or so, shorts and features, um, that makes it a little bit more challenging and difficult. Um, though I would say in that regard, if I had a favorite one, I would say um, a feature called Space Captain and Callista that um, was shot here with Gil Gerard from Buck Rogers. Uh, the oh, television yeah. series. He actually was one of our name actors that worked on this film. It was fantastic oh, wow. being able to work alongside him and just an experienced seasoned actor that just um, really elevated the material, which um, I played a, um, a young man in his 30s who still lived with his mother on the autism spectrum, uh, who's working at a local school, his mom a teacher. And, you know, me being very much a big kid at heart, kind of like Tom Hanks and Big, got a chance to kind of imbue a lot of that childlike sense of wonder kind of like a you know a, an adult who hasn't quite grown up but also a little bit of that awkwardness and um just unique something special about him that i um i found really exciting and i got to bring a lot of my just own natural sensibilities personalities to it while also um being able to attend different um groups of people that are on the spectrum and to be able to realize that that they aren't handicapped that they are individuals who are smart and creative and inventive and can still carry on day-to-day activities um it's that they you know that they are human beings that can still live and have that affinity to love and for friendship and to connect with people and i just found it incredibly rewarding and educational and entertaining. And that movie actually um, did finally get um, some acknowledgement for international distribution. So hopefully should be out by sometime before summer of next year. So that's called Space that's Captain awesome. and Callista. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I've done a lot of horror films. I, well, I, I remember watching Buck Rogers on TV, and <laughs> uh, I lo- always loved that show. And, you know, my son... Um, he's 34 years old, and he was actually mm-hmm. diagnosed with bipolar disorder 
at mm. 11 years old, and he has a he's always had a learning disability, and you know he currently he lives on his own, but you know it's a challenge sometimes. His days are challenging for him. So, uh, oh, absolutely, but not impossible. And I think it's wonderful for people to see and know that that they just think that to have a learning disability that they're a word that we won't use. That they they look at them as just in, um, you know, just unable to live to be able to live on their own. But like you said, your son is, and it's wonderful that again that you are still able to be such a great part of his life. And this writer director Lisa Savy, her daughter is actually on the autism spectrum. And so that's very much what her story was inspired by. And, and again, just working with an actor like Gil Gerard, too, it's, it's, it's fun when you get to see these people, when you watch them in films or television series, and then when you meet them, that they're just simple, ordinary people, just like you and me, that we always think that they're, you know, put them on a pedestal because they're on television, they're stars, celebrities. But, you know, they just want to be treated like everyone else. That's true. Uh, ben Stauber's our guest Very here. True. We have uh, we have about uh, 16 minutes here with Ben. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, bring uh, our buddy Ace in here and see if he's got a question for our guest Ben Stauber. Go ahead, Ace. What do you got? All Sir, right. Uh, Thank you, Ace. Uh, what you got? Hey, uh, not. Uh, I got the, the. What advice would you give to a kid that would want to start acting and directing? Oh, that's like, an how much should we question. pay you to get in your film? <laughs> you know, Ace, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing just for, for any, I would say for kids as well as adults, any age, but really uh, to children is just um, if, you, if you see acting and being an artist, you know, as a lifelong career, not just a hobby, but, you know, that you can't imagine doing anything else in the world other than you know, to be an actor, to entertain the world, I would say that positivity, that persistence and perseverance, patience as well as it takes time, um, but to just keep that energy going, have, um, to have some of that, it's important to have that support system, you know, from your friends or family members, from your faith, and to always, always be creating that you can be in North Dakota and still be an actor. You don't have to be in Hollywood. You know, that was maybe decades ago. That's where all of the movies were being made, you know, was in Hollywood and New York. But with TikTok and YouTube and social media, and independent films, anybody can make something, you know, from their, their phones and be able to film. And the 48-hour film projects that I mentioned earlier are happening all over. So I would highly, highly encourage for any actors and even children out there to just get creative and create something. Think of, kind of look at who are you. Are you a goofball? Are you a, you know, what is your character? Are you comedic? Are you more of a, you know, comedic actor? Do you like to make people laugh or do you like to make people cry, being more of a dramatic actor? That comes in kind of later, but it's trying to discover what your brand, what your branding is. Because uh, that helps casting directors and directors to find out where you best fit. What role are you best fit for? Because it's easy for a lot of us to say, oh, I fit in every role. I can be anything you want me to be. But you have to be strong at something more than anything else. Like Jim Carrey, his strengths were comedy. And then over time, he was able to do drama. Same thing with the late Robin Williams. But they had to start with what they were strongest at. And I would highly 
suggest for any actors out there to, to just find ways of connecting artistically and creatively in their own communities. And that can even be as simple as um, auditioning for theater. I came from a very strong theater background um, all through high school, middle school, and uh, college. Got my associates in theater studies. And then film came afterwards. So uh, I found it challenging, not impossible, but it's really helpful to have that, that theater training background as well, stepping and segueing into film. And also, again, just you know, any ways that you can help on a project. Maybe, maybe they don't need you as an actor, but like I said earlier as well, that if you can kind of lend a hand and just help out on the production, lend a helping hand, you know, that will speak volumes and they'll get a sense of who you are, your personality, your voice, your character, that they could end up ultimately having the right role fit for you. Just a quick little story on that too. Um, Harrison Ford, you know, and Bill Paxton, they were carpenters. They worked on crew. But then Spielberg, Lucas, and James Cameron found them working crew positions on set that led to them ultimately getting roles as actors. And so a lot of actors have many different directions in how they got to where they are. And so it doesn't, there is no specific correct path to get to that success. And what does success mean for you to, to make a living as an actor is also different. That's something for you to think about. Uh, ben Stauber is our guest here. We've got about 12 minutes. Well, now, Ben, speaking of that, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, can you make people laugh? Uh, I always, uh, I always picture myself as being a comedic actor, but I just end up making people cry. But anyway, that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, uh, cry in the best of no, ways. I'm sure you make them laugh too. Right, and uh, well, it's usually, uh, you know, usually like when I talk about uh, the CD, the comedy CD I put out that went uh, aluminum. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh. Oh, where does that go? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, jeepers. So anyway, uh, so, Ben, uh, now let's let's kind of talk about, we got Ben Stauber, we've got about 11 minutes here on Ken's FM 89.1 in Fargo, North Dakota. Now let's kind of talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming project that you wrote. Now, are you looking for uh, people to, uh, I'm sure you're looking for crew members. Are you looking for actors, actresses? Um, what are you looking for, and when do you want to start production on this? You know, that's a great question. So that one was called Writer's Block that I wrote. And for me, that was just one of my one of my big goals that I wanted to at least have a finished screenplay. The Having now produced nearly 30 shorts and features, I'm building a better understanding of the business side of filmmaking, which, again, is something very important for any creative artist out there to have a good handle on. So whether you are a, like a business owner, or a manager, those are great skills to have as a filmmaker to know how a film gets made. You write a script, okay? Then you have to find a director that's going to direct that film and give it the, the visual detail and the vision that you want for it, hopefully, to have. Then you have to find investors, producers, um, executive producers, they also call them, that will help finance your film. Breaking down the budget, what is this film going to cost? Does it need name actors, the visual effects, the costumes, locations, all of that that's added into the budget. And then much like this Lucky 7 Film Challenge, um, I really wanted to try to work with a smaller number to challenge filmmakers to see if they can still make a strong quality product project at a fraction of the cost. Um, now for writers, that's a, a great question. I, I currently am really trying to focus more on on building more of my brand as an actor with more opportunities, projects that are um, 
more familiar to the public eye from Lifetime, Hallmark, Sci-Fi Channel, which I've uh, been able to, to get started, thanks in large part to, to a lot of networking opportunities out there in Los Angeles. Um, I would highly suggest, too, for um, just anybody that's looking for ways of getting involved in projects to, to start with social media on Facebook and look up film groups in your market, like Las Vegas, we have Las Vegas actors, Las Vegas gigs, Las Vegas audition notices, Las Vegas actors and filmmakers. Same would go for just about anywhere else. If you Google North Dakota actor group, Facebook, you might actually find a number of those on there. Be sure to join those, as you might find some posts for some short films, student projects, 48-hour projects. Look up 48-hour uh, projects as well in your home state and find out when that comes up. That's a great way of getting some great experience as an actor, building credits, building demo reel footage as well. Um, I've, on this Lucky 7 Film Challenge, I've also been working as a casting director, which has also given me the ability, having been an actor for so many years, to also be able to be on the other side and finding talent and how their materials are, how well prepared they are when they send them. And I would say one of the... One of the pet peeves that I hear from casting directors that I also face would be the actor's questions. Like, what role do you see me fit for? You know, I don't know you, so I don't know what the strongest role you'd be fit for. You would need to look at the character descriptions and pick one, you know, that you feel the strongest fit for and also make sure that your materials are at their strongest, a headshot's current, your resume also is legible to read. And a demo reel, if you have one, has your strongest scenes, clips, and moments from your career. Kind of like a, a movie trailer. It kind of interests me and kind of pulls me in that I want to see more. And, and again, the, the big thing, too, I can always use is just help. You know, everyone is, I think the best thing, again, is just to always kind of be open to offering your assistance and help. You know, whether it could be, again, on set as a crew member or assisting in other capacities, wherever your strengths are. It could be makeup. It could be art in the art department, set dressing. It could be makeup. There are a multitude of areas. And, and I think, again, just only being an actor, I feel, is too... It's almost a little too narrow-minded as there are millions and millions of others who also have that same mindset, too. So what can you do that's going to stand out of the crowd instead of blending in with the millions of others that are doing the same thing. And, um, and again, I think that really helps, has been helping me out a lot in my career, has just been that nature of how can I help you tell your story? If it's as an actor, wonderful. If it's not, how else can I help and learn? And that's how I became a producer, working up into being a casting director, to um, being a production coordinator, <clears throat> helping assist in art direction, and... I even got to work on a song and got to write and sing uh, a song for a motion picture as well. Ring of Desire. That was a really exciting opportunity. Uh, ben Stauber's our guest here. We've got about six minutes here. Now, Ben, I'll, I'm going to kind of put this out here for you. Now, oh uh, doing, here we go. Uh, doing, doing, well, do, doing, doing the show here, you know, uh, I've talked to a lot of uh, actors and actresses and singers and songwriters and you name it. Uh, I do have a mm -hmm. lot of connections, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw this out there for you. Uh, when you start doing your production, uh, I am willing to come out and help you any way I want. I mean, I'll uh, I'll carry your bags, I'll shine your shoes. If you need someone to go get you a, a cappuccino from uh, the from 
Caribou. Okay, thank you. Uh, Caribou, that's 20 miles away. I, I will be your guy. Now, the other thing, uh, Ben, is I have uh, an actress friend out there in California. Her name is uh, Chrissy Kruger, and uh, uh, I'd like to get you in touch with her. Uh, she's an up-and-coming actress, uh, and she's actually uh, she's actually a vampirist, and uh, she's a great actress. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, if you need someone to take a bite out of Hollywood, she can help you do it literally. And I like to put you. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. Uh, she, she's got the well, she's yes, got these cool things. Yeah, as a matter of fact, well, please uh, do send me her that. information so I can certainly reach out to her. I will definitely do that. And uh, one thing that I, I will ask is, uh, you know, uh, for our regular listeners, if you go to our Off the Roads page or Kansas FM, you like the page, uh, we'll get you um, mm-hmm. automatically uh, qualified uh, to win a, a prize from our giveaway show in December. So would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways there, day, uh, Ben, for our, uh, for our giveaway show? Would you be willing to do that? I absolutely can send some items out there. Absolutely. Find awesome. Some, uh, so some what I'll do, well, uh, some Blu-rays, DVDs, certainly. All right, sure. And what I'll do then is I'll send you the information on uh, fa- on Facebook Messenger. I'll send you the address where to send that to. Perfect. And I'm also going to send you uh, Chrissy's information. I'll send you her Facebook page information. Uh, the thing, the thing about uh, the thing about Chrissy is that uh, she is very multi-talented, and uh, you know if uh, you know if uh, if there's anybody that works harder uh, on a set or anything like that, uh, you can't find any better anybody better than her. And uh, you know, m- most people think that, geez, Icon, why are you not putting yourself over? You're putting somebody else over. The the thing is, I don't need to put myself over. I mean, you know how to get in touch with me. I'm willing to do whatever you need to do. Uh, the only thing you got to, uh, you know, as long as I can get some hot dogs or maybe some Lucky Charms or some Captain Crunch when I'm on the set. I, I'm willing to do that for you. What kind of Captain Crunch? Uh, oh, that's an important question right there. Peanut butter. Uh, well, it's gotta, yeah, it's got to be peanut butter Captain Crunch. He took the rulers definitely out of my mouth right there. Uh, ben mm-hmm. Stavis, our guest here. we got about uh, three minutes. Uh, so, Ben, so we can do this. Our, our fans want to check you out and see what you're doing and help you with your future project to see what you're doing. you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? You know, all of those you can find under Ben Stober. If you Google Ben Stober, S-T-O-B-B-E-R, uh, you'll find my personal website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, just started TikTok. I need to do my first video, so I'm finally starting to catch up with the times. And then also uh, uh, follow us on Facebook on the Lucky Sevens Film Challenge, so you can also kind of check out the adventures of how these films are coming along. And um, the biggest aspirational goal I have for that is to to be able to bring that challenge to other states across the country, much like 48-hour film projects, much like in your state of North Dakota, so that way filmmakers out there could also get that shot to be able to, to bring their feature film story to life as well. In the, you know, seven months, $7,000 to complete a feature film, no more than seven crew members, uh, to be able to kind of see how we can, this is the first year of it, and so we're, you know, we're making mistakes, we're learning from them, what's working, what isn't, in order for it to be stronger moving ahead. It's been 
a lot of work. It's been exhausting. I can't think of anybody else that's ever taken on a year's time of creating something of this scope, but I really, really wanted to give back to the Vegas community that's given me so many opportunities and helped me to really live my dreams as an actor. And I think that's a great thing to inspire anybody out there back home in North Dakota, too, or any actors, any creatives, wherever they are. It starts with you. If you feel that your community needs something like a film challenge, something that you can create and believe in with all your heart, you know, and going through something like Indiegogo, put that campaign out there. And if you do, message me on it too as well. Um, send it my way so that way I can share it and support it as well and just believe in those film projects out there and just stay creative. Always be creative. Well, we got about uh, 60 seconds here, and like I say, I'm not trying to put myself over what I, I actually am. But I'll tell you what, though, if you do a feature film and uh, if you feature the icon in it, uh, whether it be uh, uh, whether it uh, comes to someone uh, shooting me in the back and uh, me dying right away, uh, I guarantee you they'll 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 bring you down here to Fargo. They'll put your film in the Fargo theater, <laughs> and uh, they'll treat you like royalty. I mean, you can even ask Ace. There's nobody hey, more well-known than me. Beautiful. That oh, is beautiful. I'd love to come out there to North right. Dakota and see Icon, Big Swing, Granny out there and just to, to see what, what we can do in the community and how we can just set that spark and just get the, the filmmakers, the creative artists out there together, working collectively, not competitively. That's the biggest thing, most importantly, for people to remember. Don't ever feel that you need to be competitive in this industry, in the creative community. Be collaborative. Now, more than anything, you can make such wonderful friends and inspire, help others instead of trying to tear them down and knock them down. You know, look to each other for that help, guidance, assistance. You know, and you'll build a strong film community. You'll build strong, passionate, creative, artistic friends out of all of this. All right. Well, thank you for taking time out of your schedule, Ben. We really do appreciate it. I'll stay in touch with oh, you, and then thank uh, you, I'll do whatever I can. Anything hey, make you Make sure he sends over one, uh, the the winner of the Lucky Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we got to check that out. What, well, so, yes, all that, of the films will actually screen. Yep, they'll be screening in uh, January, and then we'll be uh, announcing uh, the awards, too, as well. It should be towards the end of January. And we'll definitely get you back on for that. All right, Ben, uh, thank you oh, very absolutely. much for joining us. We do appreciate it. You are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're awesome. <laughs> thank you, Granny. Thank you, Big Swing and Icon. Have a fantastic week, and God bless. Enjoy your evening. All right, Ben Stober, ladies and gentlemen, awesome, awesome interview. So it uh, looks like our next guest is on. Uh, let's see. I think we should probably do this here real quick uh, before I bring our next guest on, and uh, we've got to do some legal stuff. Well, actually, I, I got a little time, so we'll uh, we'll introduce our first guest, and we'll do that uh, before the top of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, we have sterling silver and gold with us right now, and it's all in the name. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man about town, another great Director from the city of Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, I give you David Sterling. Hey, hi, how's it going? Hey, David, how are you? you? Know, I know, good. I, I I know your last guest. He's been in one of my movies. Really? Yeah. Well, I know then, uh, well, we're gonna. What we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to talk about that. I'm gonna see if I can't get in uh, get in one of your movies. Uh, but I'll tell you well, what, if you well, want to. Uh, what other uh, movie would you want to? I mean, what other movie would you want to be in? My, mine are, uh, they play all over the world. I've made so many. 
I'm not a director. I'm producer. I'm producer, producer for hire, and uh, distributor. Still, I uh, I directed some stuff, but I'm mostly a producer. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. David Sterling's our guest here. We got about uh, 28 minutes here with David. So uh, here's what we're going to do then. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll have some fun. So go ahead, give us a little <coughs> background about yourself, so, there, David. So uh, my name is Dave Sterling. I run a company for a long time called Sterling Entertainment. I uh, originally from Chicago. I live in the Los Angeles area now. Uh, college degree from uh, Columbia College. I uh, got a BA in uh, entertainment management, but it's like a liberal arts school. Uh, um, I started doing music stuff first, and not a musician, but I did the lights, video, all kinds of stuff, interested in films. So um, really, my um, what got me interested with these film companies. Uh, like Empire Films or Full Moon, Charlie Dan, which I, I've done a Full Moon movie, at Can Films. And I was really, I love the, I, I love not so much horror, though that's, I, I mostly do horror, but I love the artwork. I love, I, I love these companies, and they're making like 10, 12, 15 films a year. But this, this, the movies were kind of fun to watch, and the artwork was great, so I go, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this a business, which it is. Don't let anyone else tell you anything else. It's a film business. But, uh, um, and I wanted to make a lot of films. And I ended up making um, 175, more or less. And uh, we just finished uh, Axe Grinder 4 and 5. We shot that in 10 days, both films. So uh, I've done a lot of films over the years. And uh, uh, like I said, distributor. Plus, I do these uh, collector boxes now. I'm, I'm working on my sixth collector box of my people like these series, like Camp Blood, Things, Axe Grinder, The Occultist, and uh, Empire of the Apes. And they're all box sets with uh, my series. But you know, but I've done so much other stuff. Like if you watch TV, check out the Twenty Seven Club with. Um, a Hall of Famer, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Todd Rundgren, Dead Son Tubi, where I did movies like Witch of Sabbath, Hell's Highway, that, that. There's so much stuff. A lot of people know me for the Camp Blood and that Thing series, but, you know, I, I have so many films that I get. A lot of people don't know all the stuff that I worked on over the years. Uh, David Sterling is our guest here. We got... Uh... Well, we got about uh, well, we got about 25 minutes here on Ken's FM 89.1 live here in Fargo, North Dakota. So now, David, now you mentioned you you do horror films. Now, are you currently uh, do you have currently uh, a project that you're working on or looking to do? Well, like I said, need, I just uh, got some a great I, horror film actors for. Uh, you know somebody? I do. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was just talking about her with our last guest. Her name is Chrissy Kruger, and uh, she's actually a vampirist. And uh, if you do horror films, uh, one thing about Chrissy, she likes blood, and uh, she likes to be covered in it. And where, where, uh, she'll where, where, do. Where she live? Where she live? Where she California. Lives? California. Oh, well, you know, uh, tell her to message me. And uh, I just finished two films, like I said, X Grinder Four and Five. 
and uh, we're looking to do other stuff. I, I, I produce stuff here in L.A., but I do have filmmakers around the country that go out and produce films for me, so just depending what I'm working on. Like I said, I just finished these two. I don't know what I'm going to shoot next, but we are, we are busy, you know, doing, getting ready. It's like it's always like all year long you're getting ready for the Christmas season. Because that's, you know, you can right. sell, a lot of, uh, sell a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm a little different than most directors or producers because I'm, I really like the business end of it. You know, it's like people go, well, I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a filmmaker. People go, I'm in the film business. And, and a lot of these people, they're not in the film business. But I'm in the business of film, which, which is a little different than a lot of people. I'll tell you, you know, what, we're going to take a quick we got to take a quick little time out here. We're going to do uh, a little station identification, and we'll be uh, right back to you. One second, everybody. Just one second. We'll do this. Through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. Awesome. As he said, we are live here on Ken's FM 89.1. Here's what we're going to do here, David. Uh, we're going to bring Granny Hulkster on. Uh, she's one of our co-hosts. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest? David Sterling, we have 22 minutes. Go ahead. What has been one of your favorite movies that you've been a part of? You mean know, one of the favorite movies that I, I produced, that I uh, initiated? Um, I don't know. I have uh, um, a lot of them. I did a Gothic Vampires from Hell. Uh, uh, I did that film. I think that runs on Tubi right now. And uh, uh, it might be on Amazon. Maybe Apple TV, I'm not sure. And I did House Highway, and uh, I liked The Curse of Lizzie Borden 1 and 2. And, you know, I've done a lot of movies, so it's hard to pick what my favorite is. But I got a, I got a bunch of films that I, I really enjoy every now and then, you know, looking at and watching. And, you know, a lot of these films have different types of fan bases, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have David Sterling as our guest here on Ken's FM 89.1. We have 21 minutes. Now, uh, we'll, uh, Ace, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you're into horror films, but uh, as you as you oh, yeah. heard, uh, Dave is, uh, is uh, big into the horror film genre. So what do you got for our guest? Go ahead, uh, Ace. Dave Sterling, we have 21 minutes. Go ahead. Well, dealing with those horror films, how do you figure out, like, the best angle to get those gory shots? All right. Well, I, well, like I like I said, I'm not the director and the producer. So, as a producer, I hire people like a director, director of photography, effects guy, a special effects person, and they they kind of work together to you know kind of uh, after you work with you know after you work with like some people, some people have directed 15, 20 films for me, or they've shot or they've done effects, so they kind of you know they're kind of team. I mean, I. I can direct, but I think I'm a much better producer. And I think I think my job 
what I'm good at is is putting people together because a you know a casting crew is very, you know it's not me it's the casting crew that really makes these films work but you you got to get the right people in there you know. Uh, David Sterling is our guest here. We have uh, well we have 20 minutes here left on Ken's FM 89.1 live here in Fargo, North Dakota. So now you mentioned that uh, being a producer, you know, you basically hook up actors with directors. Now let's say that uh, you have um, you you know somebody that uh, um, like like me, for instance. I know I'm sounding like I'm putting myself over because I am, but let's say that you have like someone like me that uh, that comes up to you and says, "Hey, can you get me in this next project that you're helping out with?" What would one have to do? to have you pitch said uh, actor or actress to be in the next project that uh, you're producing? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, to come in, you, you got to be in the area. You know, it'd be, it'd be hard for me to, like, take somebody from out of state to come in because there's so many, you know, people in L.A. that are, I just want to be in these movies, and there's just a, it's a mecca. So, like, that would be the first thing. And then, you know, I would say, hey, we're going to do a casting, and uh, um, I, it, de- it, depends. It, it depends if I really want the person in because I think they're a good actor or, or they have some name value, they could do something. But, you know, I usually let the director, we do a casting, so it's kind of like uh, we try to get the best people for the best part. You know, of course, like if uh, I don't know you and say, oh, well, I'll be in L.A. and the, this this time I go. Oh, I'm shooting a film. Maybe we could find something for you. You know, because like I said, I don't know you. <laughs> I just know you from the text I get. You know, so to speak, or or you know whatever. But um, you know, I I think the way we do it, I think I think I've given a lot of people, you know, shots, you know, shots like like. There was a bunch of bunch of like PAs that ended up directing for me, so that's that's kind of good, you know. You go on and PA on a couple films and you end up directing. I mean, that's 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 a rare kind of thing, so to speak, you know. Kind of a packing order of what you know, like I'm a PA, I'm a sound guy, I'm a. They, everybody wants to direct. I don't care what they do, but everybody wants to direct. Well, or. Or be the star of the picture because that's where, because, because like a lot of people don't know my name but they know my movies because I'm the producer. Like I'll be the producer, you know. Right. We have. How, how did, like I, I got a question for you. How did you find yeah. out? Did did I text you or did you text me about your show? How do you find the people? Well, actually, actually, what I did was. Uh, um, a couple of guests that I had on the phone, uh, on the phone, a couple of guests I had on the show had you listed as uh, their friends, and uh, I'm like, uh, well, let me reach out to, and I reached out to you. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I booked you on the show seven months ago. Uh, oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people think that, uh, oh, well, the icon has actors and actresses and directors and producers on the show because he wants to get into Hollywood, which is true, but that's not why I have guests on. I have guests on because you guys all have interesting stories. However, my question is, if uh, you being a producer and uh, someone's looking for, like, um, 
well, for instance, me, like a guy from North Dakota, or they're looking for someone uh, like uh, like Ace who has like a certain height or a certain look. What what exactly do you look for uh, as a producer? Do you look for looks? Do you look for height, weight? What is the main look, thing that look, you look for? Look, the most look, look. I you know I I'm I, I'm not an actor, but I've acted in films. And actors actors, either, if you want to be an actor, you have to decide what your self worth is. Because like as an actor, you come into my audition, and you you're like you're like. Oh, I hope he hires me. You know, and I, I'm the producer. I'm the guy who takes charge. But I think a lot, a lot of actors, they have to, like, they never ask for the job. They come in, they do a good reading, and they go, hey, that was a good reading. But they never ask me for the job right there. And and, and, I, and, and a good salesman knows that when, when, when you're selling something to somebody, because, hey, let's face it, Getting it, this is all about selling yourself. If you know your self-worth and what you could bring to the project, I think you have to alert the casting person, look, my name's blah, blah, blah. I've done this. I've been done this. I have a radio station that so many people listen to me. So I think like it's, I kind of think the, it, it's actor, if an actor knows its own self-worth, a lot of actors, they're insecure about themselves. I'm personally, I'm insecure about myself, to be honest. That, that's maybe why a lot of us go in the business, because we want to be, we want to, I, I can't, uh, I can't, we want to, you know, I can't think of the word, but, you know, so so if you understand what your self-worth is and what you could bring to a project, you might even go to a producer that says, look, let's do a movie, and I could bring this to the project. This would make if this makes any kind of sense. Like, a lot of people, you'll never hear a producer talk like that, but, you know, I hire, like, people go, why do you hire certain people? Well, certain, like, for example, if a girl comes in and she's, you know, or a guy, people want to see good-looking people on the screen. So they're bringing, you know, like, they bring self-worth with their looks. Now, if they could act and they look good, now that's another thing. Now, Now, we don't hire everybody on their looks. Sometimes they're like, well, you know, something. They went to, they were, they were the best weed. They did the best weed. We really need to hire them because they're really a great actor. So, but you know, it's Hollywood. It's all about, you know, youth and you know. But what you could bring to the, the the picture. I I hire certain actors because they've been in other people's films, and they bring, they have a fan base. So that's that's. So they're in my film. They're going to bring fans to my film. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, speaking of fans, and uh, I know exactly what this is going to sound like. You guys are probably going to get a correct. Uh, I'm going to get a collective groan from people listening. But you know, I do, and Ace can detest this. I do have a fan base. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I have 5,000 uh, fans on Facebook, and I have a uh, I have this great little radio show here I'm doing. And uh, he's, he's iconic here in North Dakota. I, I am known I am known in Fargo, and if uh, if you know if, uh, Big Swing were here, you know when he uh, when he came here, he asked uh, anybody if, uh, they knew Icon, and everybody he talked to. And I'm not just saying this to put myself over, but. Uh, everybody said it. Yo, I know that guy. Uh, you'll you'll see him. He's wearing a black trench coat. He's got his icon shirt on, so you you can't miss him. 
But now, would that be um, would that be something that you'd be looking for? Someone um, uh, with a lot of popularity, or would you look for someone that's not as well known, uh, but they still have uh, they still have the ability to bring people uh, well, uh, bring the masses to your project? It depends. Like 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 uh, it's like for someone for you know there's in in L.A. There's all kinds of actors. I I work with a lot of famous people. So they're saying they've been on like classic TV series or classic movies and stuff like that. Now, like, let me ask you a question, okay? So I'll interview you for a second. So what movies have you been in? Obviously, you want to act in movies, and that's great. So have you acted? I bet you acted in some movies. What movies have you acted in? Uh, well, to be honest with you, uh, I have not. Uh, I've not been in any movies. Uh, there is a documentary okay, being made. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Beyond the different kind. Of, uh, listen, uh, and what's you live in Fargo, right? Correct. Right. How yes, many people live in Fargo? Too many to count. About. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. As a matter of fact, I can uh, I can get you. Uh, just let me look this up here. Trust the old Google. I, I, yeah. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a minute. Some school. Okay. So, how many people live there? Uh, 121,000. 121,889 people. Perfect. You're in the film business. Is there colleges there? Is there like? Is there colleges in Fargo? NDSU North Dakota North. State University, uh, eight-time uh, F- uh, FCS national football champions. Uh, North Dakota State is well known. Yes, we are. Okay, I'm going to put you in the film business. I'm going to tell you how to be in film business where you live. It's easy. Okay, so so you start looking around town. You look for a director. You and maybe you direct. You look for somebody who writes the script, or you call me up and say, hey. You know, somebody could write a script for me. I don't have a lot of money. I go, let me think about it. And then then you find a guy with a camera. You find an editor. And then, then you find your cast. You got these colleges. You got, you got all these young people. I bet there's acting, all kinds of actors in all these colleges and, and uh, community groups and stuff like that. So, like, and you live in a great, like, Fargo's really famous, okay? You got, it's beautiful there, so... What you need is get you do a film in the woods to start with. So you do like a, you make up some movie. You're the star. Maybe you'll direct it too. You get someone to write it for you. You get a guy who could shoot, has some camera experience. Maybe they've done some shorts or whatever. And and I I think it'd be easy to put a film together there. You know, and that, that's a good place to start. Once you have your finished product, you're in business, and it, then. It's like, hey, this is my movie, this is what I acted in, whatever. And you go from there. You don't have to, I, you know, the other thing is to come out to Los Angeles, get an apartment or a house, you know, uh, you know, go to casting calls or whatever. I'm, I, I'll be honest. I work in these small films. I'm not a huge producer. I've done a lot of movies. I'm not big, but, but my movies have reached reached around the world, and I worked for a lot of uh, distributors over the years, and, they, and, and they're, they're kind of small, and people go, why do you work for the small, why don't you go to Paramount, or why, uh, 
I, I work with Lionsgate before, but bigger companies, because I go, everyone and their mom's going to these bigger companies. I want to be, I want to own my, uh, what's the word? I want to be in charge of what I do. So if I go, hey, I, I, I've been working for a while. I'm going to go out and make a film with my own money. So that, that would be my, my like, suggestion to you or anyone that kind of, you know, to, I mean, it's not good for me because there's all these people out there making films now, so there's a glut of products. So, you know, like, I'm a business person, so it's supply and demand. The more movies there is, good or bad, it's just more stuff that I got to compete with. You know, that's, I mean, I could go 20 minutes telling you how my, my career has changed from the 90s to 2000s and now because of technology, the internet, streaming, DVD, VHS, all this kind of stuff. Because uh, uh, it changes. And, uh, and like the way we see movies now, it's going to be different five years. I couldn't predict what's going to be. I mean, 15 years ago, nobody could say, oh, you know, people go, oh, we're going to have, to have streaming and stuff like that. But they didn't know what they didn't know it's going to be Netflix, Amazon, Tubi, YouTube. We, we you know, we, we're just starting. There was no way to predict how big these things are going to be. So, so you know, I would say go and make your movie, and and you could get it out there. You could find people to put it up, or you could put it up on YouTube if you want, or Tubi. I, I you know, whatever. Like I said, it's kind of like. Um, Kind of, I tell people, you got to be in charge of what, what you do. I'm not. I'm like I said. I'm not a big producer. I just work a lot. You know, I just decided that I'm gonna make a lot of movies. I got lucky with the companies that would hire me over and over throughout the years. But you know what I'm saying. You know, it's like. But I, I, I think like, and, and, and look, you, you have a radio station, so you could be making a movie. And as you're making it, you're promoting it. So you're building up anticipation. It's like, hey, we're going to make a movie in a month. Hey, we're going to go out shooting next week. We're looking for actors. We're looking for this. We're looking for that. I mean, I think you have a lot of, you have a lot more power than I do. Because I looked, I didn't know, I thought it would be a podcast. I'm like, like we're live over the air. I mean, that's, I mean, I haven't been on the air, on the air air for a long time. So like that, you got, you got to, you got a base of power in your hand right now. Uh, Dave Stearns, our guest here. We've got about five minutes. Well, you know, the interesting, Dave, when I did when I did book you as a guest seven months ago, we were a podcast, and then we got picked up by Ken's FM 89.1 in Fargo, North Dakota. And, uh, I mean, well, we're, you know, we still have we're, – we're still a podcast. I mean, we, we get replayed as a podcast, but we're also live on the air. But, uh, wow. you know – yeah, the, uh, not that I'm bragging here, but I am, uh, like I like to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, from our humble beginnings, the way the show started five years ago compared to where it is now on Ken's FM Live, 89.1 FM, uh, I got us a theme song. I get us guests every week. Uh, you know, our show started out just coming on uh, the air and complaining about how bad Monday Night Raw was, but that was interesting for about two weeks. And then uh, I said, well, you know, I can, you know, I used to produce the uh, a local uh, national talk show called the Ben and Jim Show in Fargo, North Dakota. I like, I said, I, guys, I can get us guests. I can do all this stuff. And then they let me roll with it. And now we're where where we are right now. So it, it's, you know, it is, 
it's an interesting how things started compared to what they are and where we're going. Uh, and uh, I plan on taking this thing even further. Uh, but uh, that's why we 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 appreciate Ken's eighty nine point one FM live in Fargo, North Dakota, for letting us uh, put our show on every week. Uh, you know, it's it's a great little thing. We we got uh, David Serving's our guest here. We got about uh, three minutes. So David, real quick, so we can do this. If our fans want to check you out and see you and uh, follow you and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe, a TikTok. What do you got? I'm I'm on Facebook. Uh, you look for Dave Sterling on Facebook because that that I sell a lot of products and a lot of my projects I talk about on Facebook. I also have a store on Kanaki, which uh, uh, yeah everything through my Facebook and I'm on Bimo. I have like a uh, hundred movies to download or rent on Bimo, and I have I'm on. Um, I'm on eBay. My stuff's on eBay, and also I have a website, site, SterlingMovieFactory.com. And um, one thing, I, I make it easy for me to to have people get hold of me because I'm in the business of making movies. So if they can't get hold of me, they can't give me money to make movies. So I'm pretty easy to find on the internet and stuff like that. And I have these cool box sets. I'm running. A, I'm doing a. In fact, today I'm doing a special on if, if anyone's still into collecting VHS. I'm doing a very limited uh, VHS of uh, X Grinder 3 and I think 666. So, uh, I mean, it's like I know we only talked 28 minutes. And like I said, I don't really know you and stuff like that. You, you guys seem really nice. Thank you for letting me be on your air. I think that's, like, cool. And, uh, you know, um, if you ever... Uh, if you ever, ever want to call me, uh, when you, we can talk more, about filmmaking off the air. I'm, I'm more than happy to sit and talk to you about different stuff, you know. I never made a movie in Fargo. That might be interesting to me. Well, I'll tell you what. What I'll do is uh, I, do ha- I do have your number. What I will do is uh, I'll call you this week, and maybe we can do a little uh, conference call with uh, – with, uh, uh, you, me, and uh, Chrissy Cougar. She just sent you a uh, friend's request. Uh, you can check her out. Like uh, I say, why don't, why, you know, uh, why don't you call me? Why don't you, uh, you know, show whatever you guys want to do. That's fine. You know, it's like, uh, um, like I said, I'm um, doing a lot of stuff. I, of course, I've done so much. Not that I'm so, like I said, I, 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 I understand who I am at least. That because everybody has the ego, even me. So. But I, I think, like, you know, a lot of these people, if they understand what their self-worth and what their stuff is worth, I think that's, you know, it's like, can I, oh, I can't swear, but uh, what I learned from, uh, like, a really good uh, film producer, don't BS yourself about this stuff, you know. You got to be, uh, you got to, you know, you got to be kind of realistic about what this is. It's a very difficult business, and people people fly high for Ten minutes and they fall down. Then other people fly high and high and high. I've just managed to try to stay steady at what I do. You know, I'm a worker. You know, I, I my dad um, worked in a corporation, so I saw what that was like to grow up as you know as a corporate uh, child, so to speak. So, uh, so I kind of learned some business tricks from him too. Awesome. 
Uh, Dave Service, I guess, here. We've got about 30 seconds. I'll tell you what, Dave, we do appreciate it. I will be in uh, contact with you with this week. And like I say, I, I do want to introduce you to Chrissy. Uh, you know, like I say, she is a vampirist. Uh, yes. She will literally help you take a bite out of the film industry because she yeah, has these yeah, great bags and she's good, awesome. You know? Yeah, and if you ever need a, uh, you know, if you ever need a guest in a pinch, you know, you can always. And, and thank you so, thank you so much for uh, giving me um, this time. No problem, man. We appreciate everything you do, and we'll definitely have you on again. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Okay, and uh, awesome. Hello, hello, and good night, Fargo. How's that? Awesome. Thanks, awesome. Dave. Say Thanks, go Bison. Uh, we'll talk to you better. soon. Yeah, yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave, do this real quick. Say, uh, go Bison real quick. Say that again? Just say, go Bison real quick, and then you'll endure yourself to all the Bison Nation. Go Bison. There you go. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it. Hey, have a, great, have a great evening, okay? Thanks, Dave. How do you like it? It's 1999, okay? Good night. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, uh, David Sterling, ladies and gentlemen, that was, that was great. Well, I'll tell you what. Now uh, uh, we're going to go right into this. Now this is like I say, the interview I've been looking forward to for a long time, and uh, you know they always, I always thought that the Secret Service uh, was going to find me first, but I actually found them first. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring our next guest on. I'm going to go ahead and introduce him, and uh, then we will have some fun with this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and tiptoeing down the aisle, wearing the sunglasses, with the microphone in the sleeve of the coat, and a keen eye for anybody in the crowd, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Secret Service Agent Melanie Let's. <laughs> That's awesome. What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm Melanie Lentz. You're listening to the Attitude Era live on 89.1 FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Thanks for having me. Hey, Melanie. How are you? Uh, we have uh, Melanie Lentz. Here's our guest here. We have, uh, well, we we have a lot of time here. We have 38 minutes, and maybe we'll go a little over. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have you give us a little background about yourself, and then we're going to talk about your book, and then Granny's going to ask a few questions, and Ace, and we're going to come back to uh, me uh, so I can help you uh, fix some of my uh, uh, legal problems if I ever have any in the future. So uh, go ahead, Melanie. Give us a little background about yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, my name is Melanie, and when I was 22 years old, I became what I was told the youngest female Secret Service agent they'd hired up until that time. This was back in 2007, so just a few years ago, I suppose. Um, and uh, I started out in the Los Angeles field office, kind of one of those things I did not plan growing up to do with my life. It, it kind of was something that happened, and I'm eternally grateful for it. But, uh, but yeah, my life changed with a telephone call uh, back in 2007 that offered me a job as a Secret Service agent. So I left for training. Three weeks later, ended up getting assigned to the L.A. Uh, field office for about eight and a half years, uh, working a lot of presidential campaigns, all kinds of protection stuff we can talk about at length. And uh, I ended up, my last assignment was with former First Lady Nancy Reagan, and it was shortly after her passing in 2016 that 
I made the very difficult choice to, uh, you know, have a, a bit of a life plot twist and uh, change direction. So I'm no longer a Secret Service agent, but my adult life has definitely been shaped by the experiences I had there. And so that's kind of what I write and talk about. Hopefully a few funny stories, but also some serious ones and some serious life lessons to learn along the way, for sure. Uh, Melanie Lentz is our guest here. We've got 37 minutes. Uh, well, so if you started in 2007, so does that mean you got to uh, you got to protect George W. Bush, you got to protect Barack Obama, and you also got to protect uh, Donald Trump? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. When I first got hired, Bush was still president, and my first year out of training, so that 08 year, was a presidential campaign year, which. Uh, the Secret Service protects the major candidates. So I protected, you know, a bunch of candidates between 2008 and 2016 as well. So, yeah, Obama got elected at the end of 08 and, um, yeah, worked all those campaigns leading up. It was in the middle. It was the summer of 2016 that I ended up leaving the Secret Service, which was kind of mid-campaign. So I had worked a few uh, protection assignments for uh, Donald Trump, but not while he was actually in office. And uh, well, I, I was going to uh, I was going to say I have a I have a joke about that, but we probably won't do that. We, we want to keep this classy. Uh, Melanie Lenson, I guess you have 36 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then uh, we're going to go around the room, and then we're going to come back to me, and we're going to talk about your book. So now, I'm just kind of curious when you when you get uh, hired as a Secret Service, and you know it's not something that you know when you're in kindergarten when they say what do you want to be when you grow up you want to say hey I want to protect the president I want I want to take a bullet you know you, you obviously that's what you, you probably want to be like a firefighter or something but now I'm just kind of curious when you when you were hired and uh, you met the president for the first time uh, in this case it would have been uh, George W. Bush. What, could you kind of tell us what that's like meeting the presidents, uh, being in the White House? getting on Air Force One. Kind of take us through that. Yeah, well, actually, my career path took a bit of a different track, but I do have kind of a funny story about the first time I saw George W. Bush. It was actually at the training facility, the Secret Service Training Academy. We were uh, doing a swim test at the pool, actually. All, all Secret Service agents had to show that they knew how to, you know, basic water safety. And we looked out the window of the pool, and I'm looking at, George Bush on a mountain bike with a bunch of agents around him. And I think all of us were a bit starstruck in the moment. We were kind of, oh, my gosh, like that's the president of the United States. We're here to learn how to protect this person. And, and there he is right outside the window about to, you know, all casual, just about to ride his mountain bike around the training center. So that was kind of my first, uh, my first encounter with the president of the United States, if you will, even though he had probably had no idea I was there. But uh, the first time I met the actual sitting president was President Barack Obama, and that was after, I believe it was after he got elected, but before he took office, you know, in my early time as an agent, uh, Obama walked the wrong way off of the stage. He was giving a speech in Los Angeles, and I was one of the agents backstage, you know, guarding the stage area, and he walked the wrong way off stage and walked right into me, basically, and... um, you know, you'd think I would be really smooth and, you know, you know, Mr. President, you know, you've gone the wrong way. Let's go this way. But, no, of course, I kind of stumbled over my words and just pointed the other direction. So I, I'm not sure I made a great impression, you know, in my first uh, first year. But, uh, but yeah, so 
the, the career path of an agent can go many different ways. In other words, we, we all start in the field, as we say. Once you get out of training, you're assigned to a field office. In my case, it was Los Angeles, but there are field offices all over the country, New York, Miami, Midwest, they're all over. And so agents kind of learn protection. The Secret Service has actually a dual mission, which is protection and investigation, and the investigation involves financial crime. Uh, the Secret Service was actually started to combat counterfeit currency in the Abraham Lincoln era. They, it was estimated that oh, almost 30%, if not more, of the currency in circulation was fraudulent. So that's really how the Secret Service started. It wasn't until the early 1900s that protection started becoming part of the actual mission. And so when you're not doing protection even today, you're working financial crime, still counterfeit, a lot of credit card stuff and a lot of cyber um, financial crime as well. And so in the field, you spend a few years protecting foreign dignitaries that are visiting, or you'll protect presidential candidates, or you'll travel when the president or vice president or former presidents are traveling around the country. So you kind of get this crash course in protection. You learn the ropes, you perfect the art, you learn, and you know, kind of learn from the best kind of thing. And then after a few years, you go to permanent protection to where you're no longer doing investigations and you go and do protection. So uh, most people, myself included, you want to go to Washington, D.C. and protect the president. I mean, that's kind of what you sign up to do, right? And uh, unfortunately for me, I made a lot of bad habits when I became an agent at 22 and had a lot of growing up to do and some learning to do. So by the time it was my turn to do permanent protection, my personal life had was suffering a lot. And that's a uh, a big part of my story is kind of the personal lessons I learned as an agent um, about being a decent person and, um, you know, a better woman than I had become as an agent. Just was never home, made a lot of poor decisions, essentially saying yes to work and no to my family for many years. And it caught up with me when it was my turn to go to D.C. And the, the best move for my personal life, and it was about time I started thinking about my personal life, um, was to take a transfer to former First Lady Nancy Reagan's protection detail. And this was back in 2015, so I wasn't there very long, less than a year. Um, I went over there because she still got protection, even though it was a small detail. She was in her 90s, and I, I made that choice, and, and it wasn't a, a good career move for me, but it was the best move for my personal life. And I kind of credit her passing with kind of being the catalyst to big changes for the, for the good in my life. And so my career path doesn't involve riding on Air Force One or, you know, rappelling out of a helicopter to scoop up the president in the nick of time. But uh, I got to see a lot and experience a lot and, and better for it in, 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 in the end. Uh, Melanie Lentz is our guest here. We've got about 30 minutes. Uh, Melanie, we're going to bring on uh, Granny Hulkster. Uh, she's from uh, Arkansas and uh, where uh, former President Bill Clinton uh, is from. So, uh, Granny, yeah. what do you got for our guest? We have Melanie Lentz. Uh, she'll take a bullet for you. Go ahead, Granny. What do you got? <laughs> well, thank you, for, thank you for being on our show. Um, what made you decide you wanted to do that line of work? Right. Well, it was definitely, like I said, not something I grew up wanting to do. I grew up in Southern California, but in the desert, kind of that patch of desert between L.A. and Vegas, if you're familiar with the area. It's the high desert there. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I went to college in Riverside as a music major and then switched my major to exercise science. Like, in other words, a typical lost 
college student who had no idea what she wanted to be when she grew up. Um, but my grandpa, of all people, is the person that put me, you know, kind of put that little bug in my ear. His best buddy's daughter was an agent, and she was having all kinds of sorts of adventures. And, you know, of course, her dad's bragging on his daughter. And, and so my grandpa said, hey, Mel, you know, you were a college athlete. You got good grades. You're smart. You know, you might be good at this job. Why don't you apply? And I know I would not have come up with that idea on my own. It was Grandpa that put that bug in my ear. And so I finished uh, undergrad and started grad school. And, you know, that time in your life where you're a little confused, and but, you know, the clock is ticking, your student loan payments are coming up soon, and you better figure out what you're going to do to, you know, make ends meet. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of desperation led to the application, for, it, for me at least. But... Once I made it through kind of the written test, these initial interviews, I am a very stubborn young lady and a very type A young lady, or not so young anymore, but, you know, back then I'm 22 years old, and I had to come up with why in the heck should they give me a chance? Like, I have no life experience. I have no no life experience. I have nothing to offer, but I had to figure out what I did have to offer, and so I came up with this this thing I had, and that was that I was trainable. I was a type A personality. I wasn't going to quit. They were going to have to send me home because I wasn't going to be the one to drop out, and you could show me. So I told them in the interview, one of the interviews, I said, what is the point of sending me to eight months' worth of academy training to do this job if I'm expected to have it all going into it? Teach me. I'm willing to, to learn, and I will not give up. And they bought it. And so, you know, gulp when I got that call after a while saying, hey, Melanie, we have a job for you in Los Angeles. You know, do you want it? And I said yes without any hesitation. And three weeks later, I was on a plane and my life changed a lot. And so during that application process, which is about six to seven months or so, I was doing a lot of reading. I mean, I was by the time by the time they offered me that job, I wanted it really bad, and I was going to be very disappointed if it didn't happen. Uh, Melanie Lentz is our guest here. We've got about 26 minutes. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we usually have a big swing here with us, but uh, he's on temporary assignments. Uh, you know, he he does own a bar in uh, in uh, New York, and uh, that comes with a whole different responsibilities. Uh, I like to say that because uh, we did this podcast that got him his shot there. But uh, we have a capable backup. Uh, we have uh, our buddy Ace here who's filling in uh, and doing a great job, by the way. We thank you, Ace. Uh, what do you have for our guest, Melanie West? we got 25 minutes. Go ahead. Well, being in Secret Services, you had to have had some type of crazy experiences. You know, uh, Give us one of your stories that something crazy has happened to you. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. We could be here all night. Um <laughs> Um, I wish we well, could be. You know, I know. Yeah. Hey, no, there's, you know, I always say, you know, you can't throw a 22 year old girl into uh, the training Academy without some, some comedy and uh, stuff to go with it. So, you know, kind of, I know you guys are uh, talk a lot about the wrestling world and all that good stuff. So one of the stories I like to tell is about the first time I got punched in the face at training. So um, I had never been by who? in a fight, never by one of my, uh, one of the, uh, the other people in my class. So the story okay. goes. Okay, I'm curious. And it's and they they still talk about it to this day. It's kind of a joke a joke amongst our classmates. But you know when you you have to learn how to fight. We had to learn some martial arts. We had shooting. We had you know arrest techniques. We had all kinds of things we had to learn. And I was doing all of this for the first time. 
And the first day of training, they line us up in formation, which I had never done before, having never been in the military or law enforcement. And the instructor, of course, you know, just like the movies, dramatically walks back and forth, you know, staring us up and down. And, you know, I'm 22 and I don't have cop hair or, you know, bulging biceps like everybody else. And so I stood out like a sore thumb. And the instructor said, you know, that old line, you know, you everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth or whatever, however the saying goes. And he gave us that line and he said, some of you, and he looks at me, may not know how you would react when that happens. And, of course, I'm starting to shake in my boots a little bit. I'm like, oh, boy, what did I, what did I get myself into? Um, and so he said, but today we're going to know how you're going to respond. And so we, you know, have our boil and bite mouthpieces that we've got in our mouths. They hand us, you know, MMA-style gloves, and they partner us up. And I'm, I'm fairly tall for, for a girl, and I was, I'm 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and so I got partnered up with one of the other guys in class who was the sweetest person, like super nice guy. And they told us to take a swing at each other, and um, he he rang my bells a little bit. You know, one one clock, and my ponytail went flopping back. And I learned that day that I I am a fighter. I do fight back. I just did it poorly on that first day and had a lot to learn. But uh, we got a water break shortly after we all had our turn swinging at each other. And I went out to get my water bottle, and this poor guy comes running up to me, and he said, "Melanie, I am so sorry." He was like. I have never hit a woman in my life, and I had to make it count the first time because I didn't want them to make me do it twice, you know. And so we laughed about it. You know, we still laugh about it to this day. But I said, you know, I, I guess I needed to know what how I was going to react. And, you know, from there, uh, I had to I had to get fierce in a hurry. Melanie Lynch is our guest here. We have... Um... We have 22 minutes here live on 89.1 FM, Ken's FM in Fargo, North Dakota. So now you wrote a book, and we're going we're gonna to spend uh, the next few minutes talking about the book, and I'm going to ask a few questions. I, I still might get that joke out there, but we'll see. So now tell us about your book, the name of it, uh, how many pages is it, uh, why you decided to write it, uh, and uh, also real quick here, we're going to take a quick time out, uh, fans know that if you go to our Off the Road page on Facebook, you give us a like. You go to Ken's uh, FM page on Facebook, you give that a like. You're automatically qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, a current guest, or a future guest. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Melanie, would you be willing to uh, send us some autographs for some giveaways uh, for our December show? Oh, absolutely. I'll get them in the mail to you. I think I have this address sitting right here. Awesome. Uh, uh, and uh, just don't send any Secret Service agents to my house because, uh, uh, well, and we'll talk about that later. That's a story for another time. So now let's talk about this book. Uh, what is the name of it? Uh, let, let's just go through it. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I wrote the book. It's kind of the memoir of my time as a Secret Service agent. It's called Agent Innocent, and you can get it on Amazon, Kindle, audiobook, all that good stuff. Um, I, when I left the Secret Service, I was in a pretty uh, poor place personally, and I wish that I could say that my whole book and my whole story with the Secret Service is all, you know, the, the glitz and the glamour that you see in the movies and, and all the fun stuff. But unfortunately, as with many occupations and anybody, real, really, I had a problem balancing my work, a very demanding job, with my personal life. And by the time Mrs. Reagan had passed away, I was going through a divorce, clinically depressed, and pretty much falling apart personally. And it was a, a very humbling time of my life to go from protecting, you know, presidents and former presidents and 
presidential candidates to having to really take a deep inner look and do some some serious uh, soul searching as to where I was going with my life as a as a person. And so, uh, unfortunately, I, I left the job that I loved. I loved my job. I was good at my job. I was respected. Had all my best friends who worked there. And starting over was was really rough, and and I hit some pretty dark points that, you know, I talk about in the book. But I started kind of writing as just an outlet, you know, just something to, you know, write about the experiences, kind of process it all, you know, as they say you're supposed to do. I was, you know, seeing a lot of counselors and things like that. And and as I started going, um, one of my uh, mentors said, you know, you realize that all this writing is actually a book. And you know, I didn't. I didn't know that I had one in me, but I, I kept going with it. Um, it's uh, about 250, 270 pages. Don't worry, I don't know a lot of big words, so it's a quick read, um, and hopefully, has some of those fun stories in there. But Age of Innocent is kind of chronicling my time at the Secret Service with all the fun stories and the adventures, but also that parallel story of the personal life and kind of learning how to protect myself, kind of inside and out while protecting other people and kind of how applying all of those protective measures I did at work applied to protecting myself a little bit better than I had um, leading up to that point. And so a lot of it, I'd say, is probably geared towards more of a younger audience. Um, I kind of have a follow-up workbook that came out this past year um, that's kind of uh, geared towards kind of the younger generation, just kind of a, a workbook to go through, hey, evaluating your life and how can you better protect yourself. And so uh, most of my speaking and such is kind of more along that line um, about, you know, learning to protect myself while protecting others. Uh, Melanie Lentz is our guest here. We've got about uh, 19 minutes here with uh, Melanie. So now I want to kind of talk about uh, being on Secret Service detail. Now you, you always hear the stories, uh, you know, uh, you, you use the term, uh, they put a bug in your ear. Now, of course, as a Secret Service agent, let, let's go through this. Now, you obviously have an earpiece all the time, and uh, is it true what they say that you have an earpiece and you have, like, 27 different people talking to you at one time? Uh, you have a microphone up your sleeve, you talk into your coat, stuff like that. Kind of take us through uh, the, the many myths or truths that uh, come along with the Secret Service agent. Well, I'd be giving away a secret yeah. there, Icon. Well, she's not a secret service anymore, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, there you go. Now, I won't give away anything I'm not supposed to say. But, but yeah, I think uh, sometimes, honestly, listening to that stupid radio in your ear is mind-boggling um, because there's, you know, sometimes you just get, you know, people that just like to hear themselves talk. You know, they, they always teach us, you know, keep it brief, you know, say what you need to say and get off the air, for goodness sake. But, uh but, yeah, there's a lot of code. It, to some people, they laugh that it's, it kind of sounds like another language. Everything is kind of, you know, there's a, a code for this, a code for that, and this means this and this means that. And so, you know, when you're listening, like, for example, when you get into a motorcade and you're, you're on the radio and you're driving in a motorcade, which was oh, so much fun. Probably one of my favorite things to do on the job was being part of a, a presidential motorcade where you get to drive all aggressively and, you know, break all the rules. You know, it's really fun. Uh, but... When you listen well, to I'm going to I'm going to apply for that position next. All right, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They um, but yeah, when you're listening to the radio, you're having to communicate with the destination. So you're hearing, hey, you know, you've got this many press, you've got this many people going through the magnetometers. You know, you have, you know, who's going to greet you? What What is the path of travel? Oh, there's 
you know, a demonstration perhaps has popped up at this corner. We're going to have to, you know, make some adjustments or whatever it is. Um, there's so much. I think that what I didn't realize going into it is that protection really happens leading up to the visit and not so much during the visit. There's this, like, proactive and reactive protection. So the proactive part is putting together that crazy security plan days, weeks, depending on the event, ahead of it. And then the day, game day is just implementing it. It's a very rehearsed, very very choreographed, you know, dance, if you will, when the actual visit happens. But leading up to it is where the real work happens, the motorcade routes, the safe house routes, the, the hospital routes, the whatever alternate routes. There's uh, so many different routes just in a motorcade and just knowing paths of travel, how you're going to get out, alternate egress, ingress, all that stuff. There's so much to cover as an agent. So the agents that come out ahead of time, not necessarily the ones popping out of the motorcade and the earpieces and the aviators, but the ones that have been there putting together that plan through the whole week is just mind-boggling. And they call that, that kind of work advanced work, which was also one of my favorite things to do on the job is that I loved putting together the security plans and kind of going through everything from, I don't, I mean, we could just, the, the list just goes on and on, but the real protection happens leading up to, and it's the very choreographed execution of the plan on game day, which is, is just fascinating to watch and be part of. Now, have you, uh, have you yourself been on Air Force One? No, but I've, I've yeah, I've been on, at the airport, like on the ground when Marine One and Air Force One have been on the ground. But yeah, no, I never got to go inside Air Force One because I took a different protection assignment for my permanent assignment. Now, now also as a uh, Secret Service agent, we have uh, Melanie Lester, I guess we have about 14 minutes here, maybe a little, little more, but uh, now... Now, you guys uh, all wear bulletproof vests. You all get to carry a cool weapon, like a, I don't know, like a porcelain gun, stuff like that. Can you kind of take us through that? Yeah, yeah, Secret Service agents are just like local law and federal law enforcement. You're issued your ballistic vest. You know, you're in a protection environment and, you know, kind of expected to respond kind of counterintuitively where to make yourself larger to protect somebody else. So we do have the ballistic vest and you carry your sidearm, um, you know, while you're on duty and some of the other tactical teams have larger guns as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, um, definitely a well, well armed and protected, uh, <laughs> entity. Now, when, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned, you talked about, uh, you know, planning out the parade routes, or parade routes, but motorcade routes, I'm sorry, not parade routes, but, you know, you're talking yep. about planning out the motorcade routes and everything. Now, have you been in, uh, have you been in uh, Limo 1? Oh, the presidential limo, yes, we have the beast, as they say, yes. That is, um, that's a, that's a whole thing to see. That's a, that was an amazing experience as well. Did you get to drive Limo 1? Oh, heck no. No, I did not get to drive it. But I did, uh, we did learn how to drive the, the armored vehicles, which is, which is really fun, actually, because we, I drove the, the limos, as we call it, or the, um, you know, armored vehicles in the motorcades for foreign dignitaries and former presidents, but I didn't drive, actually, the President's Beast, uh, motor, uh, beast limo. Those are very specialized drivers that go through some very, very extensive training to be certified to do that. 
Uh, Melanie Lenson, I guess you've got about uh, 12 minutes on Ken's FM 89.1 live here in Fargo, North Dakota. So my next question is, now, you know, there's been... There's been there's been several movies about uh, you know the Secret Service you know in the line of fire Air Force One, uh, you know they talked in the movie uh, Wild Wild West that uh, Ulysses S. Grant the one to start the Secret Service you know uh, James West and Artemis Gordon were Agent One and Two, which we found out that the Secret Service actually started with Lincoln not Grant but. Uh, now, as a Secret Service agent, uh, I'm sure that they tell you guys that what you see in the movies is not what happens here. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, you know, they uh, they warn you about that uh, at what they call the home interview, which is kind of once you've passed all of the application processes, the final step is where they sit you down at your house with your spouse or, in my case, parents. Um, you know, I wasn't married at the time. Um and, you know, kind of to give you the, this is, this is what you're getting into. And it's a very frank conversation that, that happens to where you're not going into training expecting it to be like those movies. And they kind of, kind of grill it into you that, hey, this is not, this is what you really can expect. This is going to be a tough, a tough life and a tough job. And it's not going to be all, all fun like the movies. Now, you know, I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but, you know, you kind of talked about, uh, uh, your, you know, your relationship. You know, you talked about, you know, in the book that you're going through divorce. I'm just going to want, kind of want to circle back now. When uh, yeah. you, uh, when you uh, started your relationship and started dating before you got married, um, you know, I don't know if you uh, like just went out to like local establishments or if you like put a profile on, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, uh, whatever those are. I, I used to know those, but I don't anymore because I'm, uh, I'm going to be married here in a month, but. Uh, do you like put, well, hey, uh, I'm a Secret Service agent, uh, you know, uh, I can protect you uh, while we go out on dates, uh, you know. <laughs> if you want to answer that question, uh, it, was that one of your things in your profile that said that you're a Secret Service agent and we're not allowed to say that? Yeah, no, I actually, um, actually, I think I, I saw in one of your previous episodes that you're getting married on September 25th, right? That's correct, yep. Yeah, that's my birthday, so that's why it stood out to me. So, so congratulations. Well, you're time. invited. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I, I, I'll, I'll send you an invitation. I, I'd like you to come, and I can say, hey, we have Secret Service agents at the door. <laughs> no. And nice. Clapton, since you're already yeah. in town, you can come and check out a wrestling event through uh, PWA. Yeah, well, well, I'll there tell you, you what. Go. We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll get you a front row seat at the Icon Celebrity Roast, and we'll get you a ringside seat at the at the Pulpomania. But go ahead. Let's go back to your Ooh. relationship question. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. We did, I didn't mean to get yeah. off track. Sorry about that. No, I'll, all good. I'm probably the one that got us off track. That's that's usually how how it happens with me. Um, but anyways, no, I I actually met my you know now ex husband when I was in college. So prior to becoming an agent and so we were together when I got hired um but yeah the it, it was interesting to see uh and watch you know the agent date because that's such a touchy you know you, you don't put that on your profiles or you know everybody everybody's online dating now pretty much and but yeah no I, I I don't know if I was lucky or unlucky enough to to have already been in a relationship when I got hired so I didn't have to navigate all of that that's awesome and uh, you know I, you know, and I, I don't want to harp on this, but you know, you mentioned mentioned your book in your book, but uh-huh. uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, if 
if I was in a relationship with you, I, I don't think I'd want to leave you. I wouldn't want to divorce you because you're a secret service. You would know how to protect your family. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't know why anybody would want to give that up. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a long story. You can read about it in the book. But, um, you know, it's kind of one of we, we both uh, we both made a lot of mistakes, and it, as we all do, and had a lot to learn. And, yeah, I've owned my part in that, and, and I'm at peace with that. And, you know, there's been forgiveness and a lot of healing there. And, you know, he's, you know, I still care for him deeply, as we both do for each other, I know. But, um but yeah, it's kind of one of those. It, it didn't. It didn't work out, and that's unfortunate and not something that I thought. You know, when you meet somebody when you're 17 years old, you, you know, of course you're going to be together forever, and you don't. You know, it won't happen to you. But unfortunately, I, I learned a lot about having to protect your family before you let a job control your life, and that was that was definitely described. I I said yes to work and no to my personal life when I had the option to say no to work you know as I got seniority and I could be home for a holiday I I volunteered to work overtime and and that that will catch up with you and you know you get to a point in your relationship I was married to a a local police officer so he was a local police officer so often we had very conflicting schedules and neither one of us really made the time to be together when we could be together we were uh, kind of more married to our jobs and living separate lives but living under the same roof and and that's true for a lot of law enforcement relationships unfortunately the secret service agents have an 80 percent divorce rate is what i've the latest numbers i've heard which is you know pretty pretty high and yeah i i I learned a lot you know i i'm a a better woman now and and had to learn some things the hard way which I, i write about and talk about a lot you know at speaking gigs and such but um, yeah, I've owned my part, and you know, I'm I'm at peace with with where I've I've come and grown, and you know, I wish him all the best. This is not you know not a, a diss your ex kind of thing. It's a he's he's moved on, and we've both you know we both moved on and are are better. <laughs> uh, Melanie Lenson, I guess here we got six minutes. But of course, being on Attitude Era Live has definitely been the highlight. Uh, it's got to be one of your favorite interviews of all time since you started writing your book. It's got to be. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely. There you go. That's coming directly from a Secret Service agent. Now, when (laughs) you decided to write the, when you decided to write the book, now is there, um, uh, is there? uh, I'm sure, but I'm going to have you explain it. Is there anything that they said that uh, you know that you could not talk about that you're sworn to secrecy from when you start to the rest of your life? Did stuff that you can't even talk about, like if you know, like hey. Next week you're going to go patrol Area 51. You can't ever tell anybody what you saw. Anything like that that came about when you decided to write the book? Right, yeah. Well, Secret Service agents have a top-secret clearance, and so part of that process um, involves, you know, signing stuff and agreeing to not obviously disclose classified information. And the other thing Secret Service agents have to be careful for is revealing law enforcement-sensitive information or or mission-sensitive kind of information, whether it's protection tactics, something that would be, you know, put anybody that the Secret Service protects at risk. And so, you know, talking about previous assignments or stuff that's already happened, you know, nothing upcoming without giving, you know, specific details as to certain methods of protection and certain things, um, I was okay to write about my story. You know, nothing that I wrote about was, something that anybody in the Secret Service would read and say, oh, this is, you know, mission-sensitive kind of stuff that would apply today. 
So I, I may, was careful about that. I would never want to compromise the safety of, you know, anybody the Secret Service protects or my, you know, former coworkers at all. So, so I was, yeah, careful about that and, and didn't have any issues as far as dealing with the agency with that at all. So, like, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to tell us, like, uh, the code name for the presidents that you uh, were on detail for. Oh, those are kind of common, commonplace. They, uh, they all, everybody has a, code names are all start with the same letter with the families, and, and they usually try to pick a name that, um, you know, is something that can't be confused on the radio. You know, like, um, there was Renegade and Renaissance for Obama and um Mrs. Obama, so they were, you know, Renegade Renaissance, there, Rosebud was one of the daughters, and so it's like all, they're all just things that you say on the radio that, but there's like, you could Google code names for presidents and, you know, first ladies, and they'll all come up. Those parts aren't so secret. Some of the other stuff is, um, you know, more of the, some of the code stuff that we call out on the radio and stuff is more sensitive, but, but yeah, the code names are kind of fun, you know. <laughs> Uh, Melanie Lentz here is our guest here. We've got about uh, three minutes here. We may we may just go a little over that before we have to hit the uh, credits and everything. But So now, would you, are you able to tell us, like, um, without revealing too much, are, would you be able to tell us, like, uh, like a uh, like a code, like, uh, like for, like, a bomb threat or, like, a, uh, a gunman? Are you, are you able to reveal, like, what those code words are or not? Yeah, no, and a lot of times uh, there are certain things that you just call out in plain, you know, plain English on the radio so that there's no confusion. And so some of that stuff you would just say, hey, XYZ is happening. I need, you know, XYZ to come over here or whatever. But, um, but yeah, no, I, some of the stuff I couldn't say, you know, that they say over there. And um, a lot of it is, you know, D.C. related. Like D.C. will have their own stuff, and sometimes we'd have – other, you know, more stuff that we would say, for an example, on Mrs. Reagan's detail. So, yeah, there's, there is, there are some codes, but um, yeah, nothing that, nothing super exciting, I guess. Melanie uh, Lentz is a guest here. We got just a few more minutes. Uh, so, Melanie, if our fans wanted to check you out and see you and uh, get your book or whatever, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a Secret Service uh, <laughs> uh, dating site. What do you got? Yeah, no, I have uh, my website is melanielentz.com, so my first and last name, that's kind of the main hub there. But I do have Facebook, Instagram, it's Melanie Lentz Author or at Melanie Lentz. Um, and, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter is, is at Melanie Lentz. So if you just go to melanielentz.com, you'll get links to all that good stuff. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, or both books are available on Amazon. And if you're more of an audiobook person like I am these days, um, I, yours truly read the whole thing out loud. So you can uh, you can get the audiobook as well. Now, I, yeah, we we got a few minutes. I just want to ask you about that because I, I know there's a lot of authors that, uh, you know, that authorize their own book. Uh, so mm-hmm. let me ask you this. You obviously had to read the book word for word, but uh, when they say that you're going to do an audio book, uh, how long do they give you to complete that? And do you like you do like one chapter a night, one chapter a week? Kind of take us through that. We got a few more minutes. Yeah, so I I did it on my own over here. I there wasn't really a deadline. It was just get it done. It it wasn't. It's not the longest of books, and so I think the audio book is seven or eight hours. I think total. 
Um, but I just had to get the words down clearly, and then the editing process made it sound much more polished than than I did. And uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting process. I had never done it before, obviously, because I hadn't written a book before. Um, but there's a lot of little things that you know you got to think about, and how you reading aloud without making mistakes is impossible. So I learned the the magic that is editing, which I'm sure being in radio, you probably are familiar with as well. Sometimes there's just magic and being able to just edit out the flubs and the mess ups. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, I, uh, you know, before we, uh, before we got on live here at Ken's 89.1 FM in Fargo, North Dakota, we have Melanie Lentz here. We got, well, we got about 60 seconds. Uh, I'll tell you what, Melanie, we do appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Uh, we would like to have you on again because uh, the chat room is going crazy now. They have other questions that uh, they do want to ask you. And if you'd be willing to come on with us again, if I haven't scared you away too much, or, uh, you know, uh, as a Secret Service agent, you would need to put a restraining order on me. You just have to send the Secret Service no. my way. But uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, and real quick, uh, give us the title of your book one last time and where they can get it. Awesome. Well, I, it was a pleasure uh, being on your show tonight. My book is Agent Innocent. I'm Melanie Lentz. And you can find it on Amazon and all those uh, all those formats, paperback, um, Kindle, and audiobook. And there's another one. The workbook is called Advanced Work, and that's kind of more geared towards the younger audience. And so you can find me at uh, MelanieLentz.com or at MelanieLentz on all of the social medias. Awesome. And if, uh, we would appreciate anything that you can do to send us some autographs, maybe a couple autographed copies of the book. I'd like to read it myself. Uh, maybe I can Absolutely. learn how to date it. Well, I, I can't date a secret service agent because I'm, get, I'm getting married in a month. But, uh, That's right. you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, yeah. Melanie, for taking time out of your schedule. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a great evening. Bye. Awesome. Uh, Melanie Lentz, ladies and gentlemen, we're live here on Ken's 89.1 FM. We've got about three minutes left of uh, blog talk time. We've got a few more minutes left of uh, regular time. Uh, real quick, Ace, uh, tell us again uh, about the uh, upcoming show. We're going to have you on next week to tell us more about it, but uh, give us uh, the skinny on uh, the upcoming event. All right, Icon. Well, Puffamaniac, it's time. PWA is back at the Zone Yard Saturday, September 25th at the Zone Bar, and we have a stacked lineup uh, from the North Dakota Championship match of Natural Nick Nelson versus number one contender, the Prince Jack Ledger. We have Rock Solid Ross. I know we have some RSR fans out there. He's going to be going against Austin Schmidt. That's going to be a and, great age. And Ace, Ace, here's what we're going to do here. Yeah. We're, we're going to wet people's whistle. We're going to make right. them tune in next week. Okay. Okay, here's what we're going to do. If you want to know the full card, you're going to have to tune in next week, same time, same channel, Ken's FM 89.1, and we'll go over the entire card. And uh, we'll get Ace back here, and uh, we want to thank you for filling in. And, uh, Granny, uh, we want to thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, we want to let everybody You're know welcome. that you got to go. Yeah, you got to go to our Facebook page, Off the Ropes, uh, to find out uh, who we're going to have on next week. Uh, go to kensfm.com, uh, and uh, we'll drop the guest list there. Uh, so, if you want to uh, be part of our December giveaway show, uh, where you can win autographs from past guests, future guests, or current guests, or whatever. You have to go to Off the Ropes on Facebook. You have to like the page, 
You also have to go to Ken's FM, Ken's FM uh, on uh, Facebook and like that page. Uh, that gives you two entries to win uh, an autograph from a future guest, a current guest, or a past guest. Uh, you say something nice about uh, Icon, I'll leave, I might even let you choose who you uh, uh, can get. And also, I'm going to see, uh, uh, Ace, maybe we could give away a ticket or two to uh, the event on September 25th. What do you think? I think that would be absolutely great, A certified decent. All right. Icon, we got tickets for $10, though. All tickets are $10. Get on over to the Eventbrite page. You can figure that out over on the Facebook page. Uh, it's going to be uh, PWA Presents Full Send, and that's the event page. The link is right there. Click it. Go ahead. And then tickets are going to be sold day of, and I have an exclusive offer for the Attitude Era listeners. And we will talk about week. that next week, next definitely. Week. Oh, it's All right. awesome. we got uh, five seconds left of uh, blog talk time. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Check out Buff Mini on Facebook. Definitely. And we are going to, and we are out of here.